Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and I'm joined as always by my curly-haired co-host Tara. Greetings, citizens. I like that. I was a little bit of shake there. You could throw your hair around. When I was in high school, I, I had long I'm hair. I'm Shirley Temple today. I'm trying to grow mine out long, but it's curly, <laughs> so it takes four times as long as everyone else trying to grow out their do, hair. Do you know what would actually do? Do you know what would be a good length of time for your hair to grow out? Probably to far beyond what you want it to. Is the amount of time it takes to journey to uh, to Neptune? In theory. It seemed a little sped up for this film, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm glad that mankind has... has uh, figured out how to get to neptune in under 80 days <laughs> we are a science fiction movie podcast every week we talk about sci-fi movies although this is actually an extra episode because most of our episodes go up a week early on patreon over at patreon.com slash tv and then they sort of you know come in a week later and they go up but this is a brand new movie in theaters so instead of slotting this into the weekly schedule this is just happening on top of the regular episodes so hey it's an extra episode uh, <laughs> yeah believe it or not we've never done this before <laughs> yeah we haven't actually yeah this is the first time um and we'll have another one next month because uh terminator dark fate mm-hmm. the next one i mean in theory we could do gemini man but uh, you know what i'm okay waiting <laughs> i'm okay waiting see that's the thing about being a science fiction movie show is that sometimes you got to do the ones you really don't want to see i can wait for home video i'm not i'm not like <laughs> is anyone really really like desperate for my thoughts on you made a person <laughs> from another person <laughs> do you remember when will smith movies were exciting because there was a time there was a time when his <laughs> movies were exciting and it's been a while it's been a good yeah. decade at least so we're here to talk about ad astra which is a science fiction film which kind of came out of almost nowhere like i think i heard about this a month ago maybe something like that you know mm-hmm. the, the trailer kind of popped up not that long ago and i had really nothing about it but it's a brad pitt movie it's a sci-fi movie i think the only time it popped up before uh, i think i vaguely remember like going through wikipedia like at the start of the year like all the release dates and said oh i'd ask for sci-fi we'll start oh brad pitt's on it uh, maybe that'll be good i don't know but then forgot about it completely because there was nothing to go on uh but anyway as always we will start spoiler free as we always do we'll give you a warning before we get into the spoilers so ad astra is a film set in the not too distant future although distant enough that space travels much better you know we have a, a base on the moon we've got a base on mars and tommy lee jones played this this you know big astronaut scientist dude who went out on this big mission uh, to go to the edge of the solar system to to neptune because pluto doesn't count anymore i'm still i'm still a little salty of pluto being deleted did they bring him back did they? I don't know. They keep tra- like I grew up. Is it Pluto a planet again? I grew up believing there was nine planets, and all of a sudden there were like. Well, oh, that's no. the beauty about science. <laughs> <laughs> it's not religion. You're not stuck to one book. <laughs> well, Pluto's definitely there. Just, just is it a planet or isn't it? You should have just made the right call. Like. Well, yeah, but the thing is, uh, it's like an alien, right, to our solar system. So if we accept <coughs> Pluto as a planet, then we have to accept the other two that are like further beyond as part of our solar system too because they're technically the same things so it's not a planet is what you're saying it's a dwarf planet <laughs> i knew that day would happen i was not surprised by the news oh la di da smarty pants tower over here uh well tommy lee jones goes out there and he leaves his at the time teenage son uh brad pitt <laughs> Behind uh, Roy McBride's his character's name, so he's been gone for years. They lost contact like over a decade ago. It's just been a long time, and 
The film is about Brad Pitt's character, his Roy McBride, who is tasked with trying to contact his father because something strange is happening. There's these weird surges of, of energy coming in uh, from from Neptune and it's causing a lot of chaos and damage and they, they're theorizing that it'll keep getting worse until it could potentially wipe out all life. It could potentially be a, a extinction level event. So a lot of the film is uh, Brad Pitt sneaking, you know, to the moon, then to Mars because they have to go. Because like a lot of their communications, the long distance communications, have all been knocked out, and the one place that's still able to communicate is in the basement, like underground on Mars. So a lot of the film's getting there, and it's about kind of that journey. I'll I'll leave that now for spoiler free, but I will also just kind of add thematically the movie is a lot about. The, the fact that it's his father, you know, son and father's relationship and the idea of becoming your father, there's a lot of thematic stuff in there about what his father means to him and what sort of effect he had on him, you know, by leaving and things like that. Uh, that's the sort of stuff the movie explores. So, yeah, that's Ad Astra. Uh, so I shall ask the question. That's exciting. This is the first time I've done a theatre release on the show. Tara, did you enjoy Ad Astra? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely my type of film. Yeah, it was my type too. Don't get me wrong. Thinking about some things <laughs> since I saw it have definitely poked some holes in some plot. <laughs> There's definitely some flaws in there. It is not a perfect movie. In fact, it's almost kind of obnoxious. A couple of points where it just kind of just goes, ah, just don't worry about it. Just, <laughs> just, just go with it. <laughs> right? It is guilty of that. But the thing is, is I think the movie's emotion and visuals and the overall sort of atmosphere that it gives you and the mm-hmm. journey that it puts you on is engrossing enough that I don't really care about some of the scientific leaps that are perhaps made uh, or in some yeah. cases literal leaps that are made that are yeah. physically <laughs> a little and I'm not I'm no physics expert I'm not but there was a one big moment towards the end that really made me go oh come on come on a minute come on a minute <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know enough about space to know this wouldn't happen. <laughs> me too, me too. Uh, but it still was a really good scene. <laughs> it was a visually very you know impressive to look at scene, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the movie is full of stunning vistas. I love how the moon looks. I love how... Uh, I'll just say mm-hmm. there's a, there's like a, a car chase, essentially, on, on the moon. You know? So unexpected and so great. Yeah, I really w- didn't know what to expect from the film because the trailer doesn't really tell you all that much yeah i knew he was going on a journey i knew he was going to try and contact his father but that was pretty pretty much it i didn't really know anything else no nope. didn't uh, know we were going to mars yeah no and they casually bring it up and you know I, I like kind of the the aesthetic the world gives us of that like you know it, it, when he gets to the moon and we see like we see a subway and we see like you know like a starbucks like on this moon it's like a mall <laughs> Like on a moon base and just mm-hmm. little aesthetic things like that. I, I like the world building. I think the world building is really good. I think the direction is really strong. Uh, the director clearly doesn't give a shit about what's scientifically like feasible, which is fine because I think this is a movie that's more about the the character story than it is about the actual you know the logic of the actual plot. You know, it cares yeah. more about what the journey means to him and what his father means to him than it does about figuring out how he's able to do this thing or, or that thing. There's there's one particular thing that really sticks out to me that kind of really breaks the whole movie in half. Um, 
which I think I can kind of talk about in spoiler free. I, I don't even think I need spoilers for this because I, I said, you know, a big part of the film is him getting to Mars to contact, you know, to send out a message to hopefully, you know, find where this, this, this ship that went out there like all these years ago is. And because it's his son, it'll be a personal connection. That's all in the trailer. This idea that you're going to have to contact him because it's you, it's your father. And, mm-hmm. you know, he got there and all I could think was, couldn't he have recorded a message just on Earth and they could have sent the, the message to, to, to Mars? <laughs> well, did they set that up that everything's been damaged? Well, to send and the out... reason they have to go to Mars is be- not be- just because their base is protected, but also because uh, there's no atmospheric, like, um, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, like um, resistance or something. Well, they said... To- to interfere with the signal all the way to Neptune. Well, yeah, but I, I took it as uh, there's no long-range communication. But even if that's true, even if there's not even communication between, uh, you know, the moon and Mars and the Earth and moon, the moon, right? Um, but still, why not just record a message, put it on a disc, and give it to, like, a team of elite soldiers or, you know, whoever. Like, like <laughs> you doesn't technically need to physically go there. Now... I kind of, I kind of talked myself out of that plot hole during the scene because I thought, oh, they're expecting it to maybe be a live back and forth, maybe, and that's why it has to be mm-hmm. there to actually communicate. But that never actually happens. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't really care. I'm bringing it up because I think it's worthwhile to because people are going to complain in the comments. People who don't like this movie, who are going to like mm-hmm. nitpick it to death, are going to be like, here's what's wrong with it, here's what's wrong with it, here's what's wrong with it. And I acknowledge them. I notice most of them. <laughs> <laughs> But I still really like the movie. It's still a really solid character movie. And it's really beautiful. The music's really good. Um, you definitely have to be into a, a melodramatic tone of sci-fi. It's slow. Yeah. It's definitely slow. Uh, but there are parts that really speed up when they become a, a totally different type of film. Like you mentioned, there's a car chase. There's a moment where it becomes like a horror film. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the old spoilers. Um, and like there are... On his journey, there are obstacles that oh. really cause a lot of tension. So it's it's slow, but if you break it up by scene, it's not really that boring. And there's nothing I would really take out from the film. No, like I, I for me, this is the type of tone that I like in a sci-fi movie. I think some people find it a bit mm-hmm. too melodramatic. I do think there's maybe an argument that uh, the the narration, because there's a lot of narration in the film. Like Brad Pitt's constantly kind of like you know, talking about, you know, the meaning of life and existence and, and you know, what, what it is to be a man and all that sort of yeah. shit. And some of it, I think, is fine. Some of it really fits the moments that it's in. Although sometimes it did feel like this is here for exposition as opposed to, <laughs> like, giving us the, sure, the insight but, of the character. Sure, but, I mean, they set it up right away and it never really goes away. Sure, no, and it's so, consistent, at least, yeah. Because you are analyzing his character versus his father, and I think it's good to be inside his head. Because he is a very stilted man. Like a lot of the performance reminded me of um, Ryan Gosling in First Man when sure. he was playing Neil Armstrong. So, I mean, presumably this could even be based off the same guy. Based off Neil Armstrong? Yeah. I mean, not like true story, but the <laughs> character could be. Okay, I guess you should. Yeah. Like this is the type of person that, the personality you need to make it into space. I think, I mean, I, I think if I was to make a critique, you know, it's not just like a, a science or plot hole or, or whatever, right? Because there's a bunch of those and I acknowledge them all and I still like the movie anyway. I was still into it the whole time. I was still engrossed. Mm-hmm. I was still caring about what was going on. 
there was the one moment towards the end where was the one moment during the well maybe actually one of two moments during the film and i kind of i kind of cringed a lot well not cringed that's not the right word but just sort of give it a bit of a side eye and went hmm <laughs> that's an interesting choice <laughs> you know like uh, you know the scene we were talking about earlier and there's, there's one sort of a little bit earlier as well um just a couple of creative choices that feel just a little bit strange but I'm really into the movie, and I think it's really, really good. If I was to critique it in a more sort of another sense, in a more sort of you know overlook sense, I would say that it is a little bit guilty of feeling like a bit of a combinations of a bunch of different movies. Like there's definitely <laughs> yeah. a little bit of 2001. There's a little bit of Interstellar. There's a little bit of Gravity. There's a little bit of uh, there's probably a couple that I'm not thinking. I mean. You know, there's a bunch of different things like that uh, that, that kind of go in there. I'm sure people will name about another 10. The uh, Martian. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit of the Martian. There's definitely a Martian yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, because Gravity was the one that really stuck out to me, even though obviously Gravity was you know much more like, it's in one location essentially. But, I mean, give or take, because it's in space. But like it's just like her trying to survive right above the Earth and get, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But the thing about gravity that makes it makes it a great story beyond just the action is that it's about her overcoming something personally. It's about her decision yeah. to want to live, and a lot of this movie is about um, the fear of the unknown or the wanting to believe in the unknown, the the commitments and the way that the the obsession over these things versus what you have. Because ultimately, if I was to say that what the message of this movie is, is to not take for granted for what you actually have. Don't obsess about things that are elsewhere and what you could have, you know, appreciate what you do have um, was one of the big themes of the film, I think, for me. Um, Yeah, or just, I mean, I was obsessed with him because of his narration, like figuring out why he's different from his father, living up to his father's image. And that's, uh, yeah. Well, that was the end of the set. Oh, sorry. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, no, my cat's like freaking out and destroying my house right now. Yeah, we'll get into a lot of the 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 you know the character stuff and the spoilers because obviously we have to kind of save a lot of it for that. But uh, it does have a message. It does have a strong character, and it's definitely it's definitely a movie that I know some people are going to hate. Like, I, I, like watching it, I knew some people were going to hate it because it was so determined on one guy. Because some other characters are there just to serve his plot because other characters are not really deemed as very important. And you can almost look at it as an analogy. Like You could almost look at it as um, nothing that really happens and this has to be taken too literally. You could almost... No, the film's just a, just a, a symbolic thing for something. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll, again, I'll talk about that in spoilers because I can't really go into details yet. But, you know, you've got that. I think the overall aesthetic of it's, you know, my type of, like, um, like the wonder yeah. of space, the wonder of, you know, like the beyond well, the beautiful yeah. like getting to see neptune like that and was so cool but um i love the aesthetic and the technology because it's very much today's technology but a moon base but everything still looks like today like even you see a picture of his father from when he was in high school and it's a black and white photo which is just tommy lee jones actual like high school photo. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes you think wouldn't he have a color photo if he was like in the not too distant it future was a, it was a stylistic <laughs> choice tara right yeah, yeah yeah it makes it seem like this is almost no, 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 like no, i mean for the character i mean the character getting his photo was like i want black and white because it'll make me look classy <laughs> 
Give me sepia tone, please. <laughs> to be fair, it's not uncommon if you get like a set of professional photographs to get like a set that mixes both color and black and white. That's quite common. Um, okay. <laughs> it is. It was definitely an old photograph. But sure, no, I'm not disputing that. <laughs> I'm just saying that there is... Like, I don't believe that black and white photos would be gone in 50 years' time because... Yeah, it's not just a black and white photo, though. It's the quality of the photos from sure, sure. a long time ago. <laughs> sure. Hey, Firefly. My cat Firefly is wanting to have some input in this. Um, no, like, I, I thought um, the aesthetic, like, I love the, the tone of it, the, 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 sort of the dreamy music, like, even the opening of the film. Like it's just this like lens flare effect in space, and then it, you just see like, the, the 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 circle of the the space helmet for a second, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to being a lens flare. It's definitely going for that kind of ethereal, like otherworldly beyond that we just like it's so vast and because I was thinking I was thinking of Carl Sagan a little bit as I was watching this um, about billions. Of billions. <laughs> <laughs> I think about Carl Sagan every day. Yeah, that great speech, that great speech that he's got uh, about the pale blue dot and how science and astronomy is supposed to humble us. And I think part of the point of this film is to humble us and make us appreciate what we have. And that was mm-hmm. a running thing, especially once it got to the end, it really started to like make its points. Now, is it on the nose? Is, is, it, is the narration especially kind of making the points very clear so that you don't necessarily have to think about it too much? Uh, especially at the end, was there one or two lines that I wished they just, yeah, I kept those out. Just l- l- let it sit and let us do that final little leap ourselves. Yeah, sure. It's not perfect. But I was engrossed the whole time. And I, like the, if it felt like this epic journey, it felt like uh, the, like all, all of the visuals were, were pretty stunning. Like there, there was almost nothing in this movie where I was like, that was a boring shot. Even when he's just like in a room taking like his psyche val test, you know, which is maybe the one bit of like tech where it's a little bit different. It's just like a little tab that he just puts on his neck and it's like, oh, that'll read everything, you know? Um, that'll do all the work. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of like just into the future. Like, it's just a little bit, you know? Because, I mean, they yeah. do start off with the, the giant space antenna, antenna, which is legitimately a giant like tower that goes from the, the surface of the earth into the the upper atmosphere right but it still looks like if we were to build one today that it would look like that <laughs> you know uh they're spending too much money on the like wall it's really not too distant future according to this but it has to be pretty far into the future <laughs> oh sure yeah like the, how much progress they've made and how much they've built on like the, the moon and mars and the fact that the like, space flight is commercial like you know you 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 pay for a, a, a mm-hmm. rocket ship <laughs> But it is oh, worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, but it is worth mentioning that it is a rocket ship. It's not like like a spaceship that just takes off like a plane. It is a mm-hmm. more traditional style. I mean, it's a little bit more advanced, but it has yeah, a rocket. Yeah, with the capsule that comes yeah. off at the end to land on the moon. They're definitely, which is funny. It's funny that it went for that grounded look of science, of like you know, this is a grounded yeah. look of space travel. But the actual science is complete nonsense at several points in the in the story. So it's in, that's an interesting choice. Whereas when I watch something like The Expanse, which really like you know really cares about the physics and like all the space battles are like really cool because they take into account all the things that you'd have to take into account if you were fighting in space. It doesn't just you know do the Star Wars thing where ah you know laser beams whatever like it just it doesn't matter. Um, you know um, the idea that the rockets would and I, I know you've never seen it, but you would love The Expanse. Like I, I promise you, you would. Um, I'm not gonna watch it. Oh my god! I just I. I don't watch TV. I watch HBO. 
So, uh, yeah, you get some other faces in there. Uh, Ruth Neg is in there in a small role. Uh, she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's in Preacher. Read a bunch of different stuff. Uh, Doll Sullen's got a, a, you know, relatively small role. You know, reliable face. Um, what's her face? She's not even high up in the cast list. Uh, Liv Tyler is mm-hmm. got a small role as well. So, there's a, there's a lot of dependable faces. And up. my lover, Greg Bright. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who has a very, very small role. Who? But he is he is the father. <laughs> he is the father in um Far Cry five in Far Cry New Dawn. I love him so much. <laughs> <coughs> he doesn't know that we're lovers yet. <laughs> oh I don't recognize his face actually. Yeah. He has he was the guy on Mars with the uh um uh, the the bun that guys wear i don't remember what they're called yeah i, I think we're ready to, just a bit ready to dive into spoilers but i just you know the movie, i think the movie's really good i think it's worth seeing on the big screen as well um do, do make a point of going to see it if you're interested oh yeah i mean visually you have to it's beautiful yeah it's a really pretty movie and can i just say i'm so glad that this movie was almost exactly two hours and not three hours like most of the movies that i've had to see in the last few months it was a nice pleasant surprise <laughs> Yeah, nice, yeah. Nice, did you end up going to see that midsummer re-release not the re-release no <laughs> i mean i like that we movie do. a lot but that movie was already like me two, too. two hours 40 minutes and i you know <laughs> like horror movies typically shouldn't be that length for for good reason yeah although i really did like that one despite the length and it chapter two was like three hours yeah and i went and saw a re-release of gone with the wind which was like four hours long <laughs> You're right. I've only seen like three-hour epics the last month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the problem is, though, at least Midsummer was a good movie. At Chapter 2 was three hours of not good movie. I'll be nice about it. It's like it. half good, half half could be cut. <laughs> I think we all know what half. So much of that movie could be cut. The problem is, is that it doesn't even make... It, it, it does this weird thing, but it almost makes the first movie redundant by having all these weird flashbacks in it. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just weird. Anyway, um, check out the review on Screams After Midnight. Yeah, check out the review on Screams After Midnight. And Tim, Tim liked the first movie and is a huge Stephen King fan, and it's his favorite book. Stephen King's it is his favorite book of all time, and he. So you'll want to know his opinion. Yeah, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But uh, <laughs> let's just say that was a salty review. Uh, so yes, uh, Ad Astra, Ad Astra. We're going to go into spoilers. Uh, before we do, though, Tara's going to tell you all about Patreon. Yeah, you can check out our Patreon page if you like what we do. It's uh, patreon.com slash TV, and you can donate as low as a dollar per month and you'll get bonus episodes. Uh, we've done quite a few bonus episodes so far, <laughs> like um, Judge Dredd, Trancers, Time Cop. probably Leviathan. <laughs> yeah, Leviathan may happen someday. <laughs> which, which I've been postponing some for some reason. Even though I watched the movie, unfortunately, Peter's had to watch it three times. <laughs> well, only twice so far. I've been but, so busy. But I, I, yeah, I, I, I might have threatened, made some threatening <laughs> remarks if I had to watch it a third time. Um, in fact, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, for anyone who showed up to uh, the live stream on Saturday the 21st of September and were told to go away because I, I plans had came up. And then I had to switch it back to that same night again. That darn Connor. 
Yes. Ed. Always screwing with your schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 might have been Leviathan related, and it might have been a certain Tara that was to blame for it. Um, so if you hold any grudges for that, <laughs> look forward to our Leviathan bonus review for one dollar. <laughs> yeah, you could pay for the privilege of listening to the review that delayed that thing anyway uh yes so good spoilers uh for ad astra uh so the movie you know starts somber enough it starts with this big kind of uh he's, he's just out on the big tower and it's one of those things where i thought he was in space and there was no gravity but then obviously once people start falling it's clear oh no they're still kind of in the atmosphere enough that mm-hmm. there's gravity and the yeah they're on this huge tower i thought i thought it was literally a space station until you know there were shots looking down and i'm like oh wait no that's just that's just going all the way down <laughs> that's just going yeah. into, into the earth sure um and the power surge the first big surge that happens uh hits the station and there's like chaos and some people fall and you know uh, mcbride's trying to be a hero and like you know cut power to something to try and like save some people and he ends up getting knocked off and it's, this scene does a couple of things. It shows us that he's cool under pressure because he's spinning as he's falling and he's, like, talking to himself and talking to, like, you know, uh, uh, calm, saying, hey, I'm trying to keep calm so I don't black out. I'm trying to stabilize my fall. Um, and, of course, he had a parachute. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. If it's possible to fall from this, give the astronauts a parachute <laughs> because then they can right. at least survive. Uh, and sure enough, he does. Uh, but it's, it's, it, is a, it, it becomes very visceral very quickly. And I was like... And I got really kind of confident during this scene because I thought, you know what, I don't know if the movie's going to completely work for me yet, but at the very least, this was shot very well. And I I, I was kind of into mm-hmm. the action of it the entire time. Oh, yeah. When, like, the debris is falling and it goes through his parachute and such, and, uh, like, he's just free-falling for a moment, like, that was terrifying. But it reminded me a lot of gravity, of course, for obvious yeah. reasons. But it was done really well and... Uh, tension was there i didn't feel sick watching it because <laughs> that is a risk <laughs> oh yeah absolutely uh but no it, it, it looked great and you know he's brought in and given this classified information and told how serious everything is and you can't tell anyone but yeah we think your father's still alive you think you, you know you've been under the impression he's been dead for like you know 10 15 years but he's actually we think he's alive and we think that this that ship has something to do with this so we're going to try and contact him um, and we need you to do this kind of thing. So this kind of sets on that the first half of the movie is very much the journey to the moon and then the journey from the moon to Mars. And he's not allowed to tell anyone what he's doing, so it's all very kind of hush-hush. He's taking a commercial flight. Um, Doll Solon is kind of given to him as his handler to kind of look after him as he's going. This is someone who knew his dad because he's also ancient, in case that wasn't clear. Um, I know. He's an old he's man. the original Hawkeye. The original Hawkeye? Hawkeye from M.A.S.H. Ah, I've never seen Mash. Yeah, I don't think it's for you. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was thinking, don't look now and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and you know. Yeah, I guess he's probably more known for Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think so. I think so. But I'm a Mash fan, so I'll always <laughs> know him as Hawkeye, Hawkeye Pierce. So. Yeah, and some of this stuff is really great. A lot of it's just really good world building. There's a, I mean, there's a little, there's some teases between him and uh, Donald Sutherland about, like, you know, what, you know what his dad knows. Like, are you calm? Because so much of this film's him taking like these little psych eval tests where he's, he's answering questions. It's like, oh, you've passed the psych evaluation. Like, you're know, you're calm and you're cool and you're collected. Um, and obviously, all of this is building up to when he's not, because it's going to mean mean a lot mm-hmm. when it eventually says you have failed. Like, you you are not calm, because uh, that'll mean that'll mean something. But right. you know, it's like we said, you, you see the moon, and it's just—it's like an airport, and it's got like, uh, 
you know, like shops and stores and various other things. But we get this cool little bit of mythology where, oh yeah, the secret base we're going to launch to Mars because it's like a secret place is uh, on you know, the dark side of the moon and the territory between there and here is very dangerous because there's moon pirates. There's moon pirates. Oh my God. <laughs> what an intense scene that was too. It was really good. And obviously they set it up so they had to do something with it. And all I could think about when I was watching this scene is that I've seen like really bad movies have like moon buggy chases and like how like shit they look and how mm-hmm. cheap they feel and if I, I think there was an episode of mystery science theater i think it was moon zero two zero two yes uh that had stuff like this in it but obviously it was dirt cheap and like done in like the 80s and looked like shit yeah um but i'm like this is like a big budget like moon buggy chase this this looks great <laughs> it's yeah so like not only are there people on the moon but there are people that like are pirates like who just live off the land <laughs> somehow yeah i what i love about it is uh the sound design here because it really plays with the idea that just the only mm-hmm. sound we're getting is the stuff that's coming through their suits because they're you know all in this buggy they're right. all in their suits impact and we're hearing you know things impacts coming in but it's all very muffled it's all very and it, it gives it this kind of like it feels like when you're underwater and you can't hear what's going on up above so you feel very kind of like your senses are kind of neutered mm-hmm. and you feel like you can't quite make it you feel kind of trapped as a result so even though he's in a suit he can move around he still feels trapped everyone feels trapped in this situation um and it feels very claustrophobic and i think i think that was a really good effect yeah i totally agree it was really well done and i definitely noticed the sound and i think the score had a lot to do with the tension here too because yeah. you can't quite get all the sound effects from each explosion or bullet that's flying because they have guns on mars too or not mars moon <laughs> Moon, yes. guns on the moon just shooting with their buggies yeah it was a good scene it was a really good scene and it was like okay and totally unexpected yeah this movie's doing different things i'm into this and the trip from the moon to mars is a lot more difficult you know he's given this uh this specific crew they're not they're not allowed to know what he's doing there in fact at one point he tries to kind of like pull rank because there's, there's a distress call and he's like no the, the priority is the mission and he's like look you're a higher rank than me this is the captain of the ship speaking he's like you're a higher rank than me you can force this but you're going to have to like tell us what the mission is in order to do it and he, he kind of backs down and says all right answer the distress call and it's this really weird little horror scene where like they get to this ship and it's the classic kind of derelict ship no one's responding you know this could be a scene in star trek it could be a scene yeah. in it's literally like episode like two of firefly or three of firefly is like you know the, the ship that's like dead and like what happened here kind of thing and they you know they, all we know is that it's an animal research station on in space yeah so. yeah and <laughs> They mentioned that may have been something with the electric surge like knocked them out or something like that. And you know, the, Brad Pitt goes in with the captain, and you know they're looking about and it's all quiet and eerie and it's like scary. And then yeah, I there's s- like claws on, like claw marks on the walls. Yeah, this is proper like survival horror shit. And then the, a, a, a crazy baboon floating in the ship appears and you know kills the captain and it's like but it does this thing where you see the captain's body from behind and then like the baboon lowers his body and you just see the baboon and it's like. Rah! you know yells yeah. it's just, was it, not expecting a monkey yeah thanks cat the cat's knocking my camera about not having this uh but no it's a really really inventive little scene and um, i i think honestly the first half for me as much as like so much of it is kind of like oh let's do this part of the mythology oh, let's introduce this mm-hmm. stuff on the moon let's do this stuff on the way to mars uh or even the idea of how they land because obviously we think of like, lunar like ships and stuff and the way they land is, is very 
you know, imprecise. Well, it's, it's precise. They always do a lot of calculations, but there's so much variables. Whereas now they're landing on a designated base that has like a, you know, a, a terminal that comes out and attaches to it and all that. Like, there's a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of little things showing like how good Brad Pitt is. Like, you know, like, the, the guy that the second in command who's trying to land the ship on Mars, like buckles and was, he can't do anything. And Brad Pitt like takes over and he's like, I, I won't rat you out, but. <laughs> like i had to save our ass because we're all going to die because <laughs> you, you know weren't... why i did that right yeah, yeah. um work on it <laughs> so th- this entire journey up until this point i was just really into all the steps of it i was into just discovering the world what was it like you know i i think like any worry i had as soon as it was like on the moon i was like okay i think i'm really into this world i'm into like mm-hmm. what is set up here um once he's on mars uh you know he goes into this you know this this big padded room this big soundproof room and he sends this message this this scripted message they've given him uh to to talk to his dad and there's no response but he tries it again but the second time he does it he, he goes off script and just like gives it this this heartfelt honest message and they they react to something but they, they won't tell him if he's if he's responded but obviously that this gives him the coordinates because the first big problem I kind of had plot-wise is this Ruth Negus character is kind of weird and that she shows up and she's like, hey, like my parents were, you know, on the Neptune, on the, not the Neptune, but on the ship, you know, the, the ship that went to Neptune mm-hmm. with your dad. And he... The Project Le- something Project oh, Lima. Lima, yeah. And we find out that, you know, there's been a lot of hints throughout the film that Tommy Lee Jones might have went crazy and did something bad. You know, he might even be responsible for these surges. And... We find out that he, because there was a mutiny on the ship, because some of them wanted to go home after like years of like no results, where he was just like, oh, well, I, I, well, you know, I, I took away their air supply, and unfortunately that meant killing all the innocent ones too, so they're all dead, the kind of thing. They find like this video footage of him, like it meant this, this video log that never made it back to the public, kind of thing. And because it was better for the company to make him out a hero rather than admit that this mission went this disastrously wrong. Yeah and okay that's all fine but then what's weird about this is that ruth nega's character here uh, uh lantos her name is she then like goes out of her way to help brad pitt sneak onto the ship because it's the same ship that he was on before the, the same the crew that brought him to mars are the ones that are going to go to neptune to nuke mm-hmm. tommy lee jones's ship and she's desperate for brad pitt to be on that mission to do it instead of them because reasons I mean, I wouldn't say no to help Brad Pitt, especially if I was alone on Mars with the same like three or four eligible bachelors for the last my entire life. <laughs> well, as funny as that is, I mean, he doesn't ask for help. She comes to him. But what, what, um, what does she get out of it? Because why would she have a problem with them just nuking the ship? I don't know. Like, what, 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 and I did what, think about that yeah. when I was in the theater too. Why is she? Went, why does she have a problem with how they're doing it? Like, all right, I guess sh- I missed something. <laughs> surely she would be f- fine with this. Yeah, just nuke them. <laughs> like, she, why? Why you got a problem with that? I don't know. I mean, it maybe has to do with her getting someone else to get closure from the Lima project <laughs> since she can't? I don't know. Even though they imply strange. heavily that her helping him the way she does will lead to her being locked in a black site for like ever and she'll, her life is over. 
worth it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you start to think about it. And there's some great visuals because like, she takes them to this like tunnel and he sneaks up under the, the launch pad of this this rocket. And mm-hmm. the visuals here are great. There's a shot of him like walking through like all the smoke because it's all orange and it's just a silhouette of him walking towards. And it's like it's this beautiful, you know, you could put it in a wall. You could just print it. Yeah. Put it in the wall. It's beautiful. But he also has to go through a tunnel and then he ends up like swimming for a long time. Yeah, that's in the first. Dark. That's first before the, the silhouette moment. Yeah. But here's the thing and that though, was pretty stunning too. This does go off the rails a little bit though, because they do the whole thing where it's they're counting down to a launch and he's still like at the bottom of the rocket, like in the you know, where, the, yeah, where it's going about to blast. To get torched. <laughs> and like he's like literally like claiming a ladder up to like a little porthole thing. And I'm like, okay, first of all, why is there a door here? Se- secondly <laughs> Secondly like it just cuts to him being inside once they've blasted off and he's not like strapped to a chair or anything like i i, I was expecting to see him like go you know going around like mad because he's not strapped to a chair and there's still gravity and um so that, that was really weird i thought it was like how did he get on this the ship that easily it just it felt like just a magic cut doesn't matter just go with it just go with it he got on the yeah. ship uh, um, i sort of did right <laughs> i sort of went okay <laughs> And then there uh, might actually be like a porthole there underneath the uh, rocket ship. I don't know. Like maybe that's where what the workers use. They cut the countdown <laughs> too close. I'm just saying. Like it, it was like three seconds to go, and he was yeah, it still was like not a inside. Original series Star Trek moment. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. But and then the problems I have with the script is that you know after this when he gets onto the ship, like the crew are told to eliminate him, right? Yeah. And they're basically just incompetent and he's not even trying to kill them like brad pitt's not trying to kill them but they all end up dead anyway right and well it, we sort of saw that coming because it's the exact same crew that brought him to mars that was doing <laughs> the trip to neptune for the super secret mission okay the, the new captain i'll give you because he was shown to be completely incompetent all right i'll give you it right but the other two like, didn't seem out that during bad. the landing yeah and we knew he was scared he was too scared to go on the uh rescue party but they, they all end up dead and you know brad pitt records like a little message for the black Brutal box scenes too yeah he's Brutal like deaths. hey uh, you know i i'm not supposed to be here and i regret to inform that my invasion even though i had no hostile intent resulted in the deaths of all crew members <laughs> and i'm like when you get back they're gonna hang you i don't even care if hanging is yeah. not a thing anymore they're gonna do it anyway because this is like the most absurdly like vicious thing ever unless either he doesn't get back or and he already knows that. Or they make him out to be a hero like his dad. Sure. Because he's successful. It was just oh, it was a do you know what this whole thing was? Like, you know, getting onto the ship with a countdown and then having like to accidentally kill all three crew members. It felt like a really forced script thing because it really they wanted They all killed themselves. Because no, but it felt like a really forced script thing. Whether it was his fault or not, all of it felt contrived because the script was desperate. For him to be on his own for the rest of the journey, they wanted him to be on yeah, his own. Yeah, but they bought it. You know, they weren't very OSHA compliant on that, on that rocket. No, so. no. I will accept the, the the reason for it. I will accept that. I think I agree that he should be on his own. I think there's a better way to get him to the, that that point. But I will call bullshit in the choices that were made here to to get rid of the crew and how how they handled it. It it felt a little bit silly. It was a little bit of a jump the shark moment. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, um, what I think is funny though is it spends so much time, like him going on the commercial flight to the moon, and there's so much time spent on the the journey to Mars from the moon, and like the uh, like you know running to that ship and the baboon and all that stuff. 
and yet mm-hmm. the trip to Neptune feels like it's like 10 seconds because he just like goes for it. Like, he puts in like a feeding tube and it's like just a quick little montage and then, oh, we're in Neptune already. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's supposed to be 80 days, right? So that's like... Which, by the way, 80 days to Neptune from Mars is insanely fast. Just I want to point that months. out. <laughs> that that is like silly fast given how long it takes for us to get to like the moon yeah like that well, is well i mean it's the future right i'm, so I'm just saying apparently I'm just... we figured out how to travel faster i'm just pointing out that it's much faster um yes uh do you think he uh and i'm going to embarrass myself here if i've got the order of the planets wrong but i'm assuming since they're at the edge of the solar system uranus comes first i mean it does <laughs> okay <laughs> but if you're trying to make a sex joke, it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> no, I mean, I wasn't trying to make a sex joke, but I was just... In my head, I was going to crack a joke to back to school. about passing Uranus <laughs> and, like, you know, passing Uranus on the way to Neptune. But, you know, yeah, I had an astronomy professor in college who refused to call it Uranus. <laughs> and he also... Like a lot of people just say Uranus, but it's still kind of a a fortunate name because you say urine and us. But he would say Uranus. Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone would just be so confused. He would do these presentations and he would always say Uranus and insisted that that was the way that it was supposed to be pronounced. But I mean, we all just thought, oh, he means Uranus. And then we all just think this Uranus anyway and giggle. So, <laughs> plus he looks dumb. Yeah, he's making it worse. <laughs> Hiding it is just making it feel more like a taboo thing. It's making it more worthwhile giggling about. I, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Neptune's you teach pr- nerds all day. Of course, we're all going to giggle at Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Let us have dear. our one joke. Yeah. So he gets to the ship. He, he gets to the ship and he sees it there, and. You know, he gets the nuke ready and he tries to like communicate with the ship and no one's answering. It looks a little bit damaged and he tries to like connect on a little little pod that he flies out in and it, it won't connect properly. So he just has to like go out of the pod and let the pod float away. And I thought I actually thought this moment was going to very much be the uh like this is him saying admitting to himself that there's no return. Like this is him saying, yeah. you know, I can't get back to the other ship now. So I'm that's me. I'm just I'm here. This is a suicide yeah, mission. Yeah, me too. Um, just going to die with my dad. Luckily for him, he's got some surfing moves, and we'll get to that a bit later. Um, <laughs> wow, that scene really bothered you. This is really stupid. <laughs> it looked know, great. I it was nice. It looked great. It looked fantastic, but. Like, well, correct me if I'm wrong, right? So the whole thing in a vacuum, right, in space, right? You're pro- yeah, you're propelled- all the impact should slow yeah. him down. Yeah, all of the impact should stop him and from moving. And probably change his direction. Yes, he should probably go start going back towards the other ship at some point. We'll yeah. get to it. We'll, we'll get we'll, no, I'll explain he- it. I'll explain it when we get there, right? Hold on. No, 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 we'll do that. So uh, after his dad's dead, we'll get to the dad bit of it, but we're talking about this now because, because Tara's wanting me to rant about it. So... <laughs> he does we this thing. <laughs> you're the one who brought it up he does this thing where he gets like a panel of metal off the outside of the, the ship right of the dad's ship and he fires himself um towards his other ship he's, he's sort of laying it up and i'm like okay this is a fine idea he's, he's going to fire himself at the ship you know trajectory fine what i didn't consider though is that he was going through the rings of of uh, neptune he was going through all the rocks and stuff that were floating all the debris and so the whole point is he's got this big metal 
you know, uh, sheet shield. as a as a shield. Yeah, to like, and it, but like, as soon as he starts hitting things, I'm like, but why is this not slowing him down? It's space. Why why does he still have all this momentum? It was just it was kind of silly. I mean, maybe he is bigger than the rocks. Maybe that makes a difference. I'll think it does because the space, like, weight's irrelevant, right? Yeah, I guess, but. I don't know. Like, even when he threw the shield away, I thought that was going to change his direction. Because mm. if you throw something, doesn't that make you also go in the opposite direction of why you threw it? Uh, and zero I gravity? I, I thought there was going to be some, like, Iron Man <laughs> propellant or something to shoot him <laughs> towards the ship. Yeah, I, I thought he might have, like, some stuff in his backpack. You know, like, the little thrusters that would let him maneuver a little yeah. bit. But that's no. what I was expecting too. No, no, he uh you know, he hits the ship and whatever. But yeah, so he, when he gets on his dad's ship and he's like setting things up, he's setting up the nuke, and you would just hear his dad's voice say, you know, hello son or hello Roy or, or whatever. And you know, th- th- basically he has to convince his dad to come home. And his dad's like, No, this is home, this is you know, my data and you know, we found like all these planets that we've never seen before, but none of them have anything. But it's out there. Because we see evidence throughout the film that you know, from the little snippets we get of footage, from the little photographs we get from this ship, that his dad mm-hmm. was very much obsessed about finding intelligent life. That's what the whole mission was about. It was about finding life in other planets where because they're at the edge of the solar system, they can get a clear view at a lot more places and they're going to see all this stuff. Um, and this would lead to whatever. And he became obsessed with it and, you know, everyone else, you know, he killed everyone else. And, of course, a big part for, for McBride, for, for Roy, is that his father abandoned him at 16, and he's not seen him since. And this obviously weighed heavily on him, and a lot of his life he was determined not to be his father. And the way it kind of does this in the film is that he was married. He was with Liv Tyler. Okay. Because I got the impression that he was exactly like his father <laughs> throughout the entire film. Well, no, he kind of is. That's, that's kind of the point, is that he doesn't want to be, but he, he knows that he is. Like, he knows that he... Because the whole thing with Liv Tyler is that... So he was married to Liv Tyler, and, you know, we don't even see her in any present-day scenes until the very final scene. Like, everything's just like a sort of glimmer, glimpse of a flashback here or there. You know, it's him with these regrets. And at one point before he goes on this mission right near the start of the film, he tries to phone her and say, hey, I just want you to know that I didn't really want to leave you. And, you know, but he, 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 he raises the call and hangs up and... You know, sort of makes the choice, and that was like a big thing for me at the start. I was like, okay, that's his arc. His arc is is actually wanting to make that leap. Uh, he can do all mm-hmm. this space stuff. He can be all this brave shit, but he can't do this. And the whole thing with his father is that his father was obsessed with finding out stuff out there, with discovering new things, and not being happy with what he has, which was his wife and his son. And Roy is terrified of being that of t- and he realizes that he is kind of that because that's the way he is with with Liv tyler right he he left her and we find out the reason why they they split up is just because he was always dedicated to being an astronaut and his job and never at home never dedicating anything well, to his the, uh, married life the compartmentalizing thing that he can do right where with emotion and with what needs to be done that's why that's why he's such a good astronaut and that's why he's so good under pressure they oh sure comment and beginning of the film saying his heart rate never goes above like a certain number and yeah, even when he was falling from the atmosphere yeah he's not i mean that ties into him not connecting to what's in front of him is that he's not connecting to his emotions he's not he's not uh, yeah you know, except- i mean i was thinking he was more like a vulcan where he has these emotions but he just chooses to <laughs> ignore it so he can be better 
Are you trying? Can I finish my point? You keep derailing my point. So the whole point of this film. My point is more important. That he's like a Vulcan. (laughs) I'm glad I got to say it. You may continue. The whole point of this film is that his father left him with some serious abandonment issues and he doesn't want to be his father. And he's trying to convince his father at the end of the film to come home. That he he does have things to appreciate, that he does have things back on Earth that he should appreciate. And this is where I was thinking of Carl Sagan and like the, the humbling of science that, you know, like, because one of the things that he says to his dad, his, his dad says you know, he was, he's been out here for, you know, 30 years or whatever. And he's, you know, he's basically just like, you know, got no answers. And, you know, Roy says, no, you proved that there isn't. That's still an answer. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of science humbling is like, you know, understanding our place in the universe and like, okay, ex- you know, okay, if this is all we've got, if the earth is all we have and the people around us are all we have, then maybe we should, you know, respect that a bit more. And that, that gets into a lot of, you could take that into a lot of topics, you know, you know, climate mm-hmm. change and, um, you know, people being awful to each other and the, anything you want to. Um, I don't want to live on the moon. They got pirates. <laughs> they got pirates, yeah. Uh, so, but ultimately, you know, Roy's dad does like essentially commit suicide. He doesn't want to go back. He's too far gone, and he like let's go with the the tether. And you know, Roy tries to save him, but he's like, no, let me go. So it's, it's a it's a two sided thing here because his dad is like like I say, too far gone. But also for Roy, it is literally like he has to let go of this like this obsession because essentially everything that's made him the way he is is this obsession of living up to what his dad was. Right. Mm-hmm. This this dedication. Everybody he has, has been commenting along yeah. his journey, like. Oh, your dad is the reason I yeah. know, became an astronaut, or he's a real hero. Or yeah, he's not blah, Roy blah, McBride. Blah. He's oh, you're Thingy's son. You're this yeah, guy's yeah. son. Yeah, you're Captain McBride's son. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, and it's weighing on him the whole film. So, yeah, the, the big dramatic choice is him deciding to go back. And I've I've heard people online say that the film might have actually ended better if it just ended with him trying to get back. Like if it was just him making the choice and starting his journey back and just ending there, kind of hopeful. Bit ambiguous oh, what it's like another two minutes <laughs> well it is but it, that two minutes raises a lot e- even though i get like seeing him actually make the call to love tyler and her showing up showing that he's learned his lesson that he's going to try and appreciate what's there in front of him to to appreciate life as it is right don't get me wrong you get that but you don't really need it because it's the choice to want to go back that's the important part we don't necessarily need to see him do it and it raises a lot of questions though because think about it so like i was saying earlier he gets back and no one's going to reprimand him for sneaking onto a ship and killing well, three he people saved the world I mean... they did it with his father they made his father into a hero i know it just it felt a little bit again it's just one of those little strip things that just it feels less than thought out it feels just a little bit clunky i don't know i i was okay with it Okay. Because we got the rest, the that backstory about his dad. What about his dad? Well, that he was made out to be a hero, even though he was, you know, a traitor and murderer and killed that, like all of his crewmates. Yeah, but <laughs> we had the, innocent. Yeah, but we had that already, though, right? That wasn't in the ending. Well, no, but I mean, him going back and being made a hero makes sense. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Um, because it's already been set up. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I get what you're saying. I, it just like I, I don't hate the ending. Like, I, I don't like some people hate those last couple of minutes. Um, I'm fine with them, and I think the final point of like live, you know, live Tyler walking in, like, does kind of complete the bow and what the story's been about. Um, 
And, you know, there's a lot of things in here, you know, this idea of regret and, like, not being your father is actually a big theme of one of my favourite movies, Paris, Texas. Obviously, that's not a sci-fi movie or a space movie, but... Uh, so there's a lot of elements in this movie of other things that I love. There's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of Moon, a little bit of Gravity, a little bit of 2001, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, and I know you don't really care for the movie, but I thought a bit of Whiplash also about having to... I don't dislike compar- Whiplash. Oh, I thought you didn't like that movie. <laughs> no, Whiplash is all right. Okay. Hmm? Well, the idea of what it takes to be the best of something, you know, what you have to sacrifice. And, um, like... Who knows if he wasn't able to to be totally emotionless and cut off or choose to compartmentalize what's priority. Um, like, could he be the best? Could he even get to Neptune like his dad did? Sure. Um, is it worth it, though? Like, you know, That's kind of the point, though, right? Is like, is the sacrifice well, worth yeah, it? Well, yeah, that's also the point of Whiplash is like, I think it's yeah, more the point of Whiplash than is this movie. But yeah, yeah, he's an amazing drummer, but at what cost? Like, was it worth it? Or or do we only get great talent and great great people because they go through so much? Yeah, I, I, I actually don't think the ending of uh, Whiplash is ambiguous. I actually have a firm stance in that, my answer to that question. <laughs> oh, I assume your answer is no. No, it's not worth it. No, it's horrible. <laughs> he dumps Melissa Benoist in that movie. Come on, <laughs> the fool. Uh, yeah, she's something, I guess. <laughs> the fool. <laughs> just so what? Just so J.K. Simmons can look proud. <laughs> like, come on. Well, I mean, we sort of had this discussion in Close Encounters of the Third Kind with yes. you know, Spielberg. What he's really saying about art. Oh, of course, of course. Um, it, but this is less about art. This movie. This is. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not about art at all. It's. It's, it's purely about the expectations and the try to live up to his father mm-hmm. and what his father abandoning him did to him and i think the realization that so much of his life is based on his father leaving him is what makes him realize what he's what he was doing to live tyler you know and you know he doesn't have any kids but like what he would be doing to a kid if he did have one right um so no it's, it's like the movie has some rough edges especially on its it's you know it's stripped but the direction, the visuals, the the performance, uh, particularly yeah. from the lead, because some of the side characters are a, a little bit weird. Like, you know, Ruth Negga's character, th- like, her decision is like, why do you have a problem with just nuking the thing? Like, sure, give him the information, let him know his dad's, like, a mass murderer, and, like, let him know that, like, you know, what, what happened and all that, but... But what, why, why do you care about him going on the mission instead of everyone else? Yeah, I guess I didn't pick up on that either, but... Yeah. It's all right. I mean, it's still a good movie, and uh, no, I like the scene of him crawling into the rocket and everybody trying to kill him, and then they all kill themselves. It was pretty good. Just a bit schlocky, but a bit schlocky <laughs> at that moment, uh, as as was the surfing through the, really? the rings. Even when action. the woman falls. But yeah, when the woman falls and like just hits her head on like the the door at the bottom of the ship. So much gore. Yeah, there was a surprising little bit of gore here or there. Actually, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. I always enjoy gore. I, I'm not a, an anti-gore person by any means. You know, I love a bit of gore. Um, but yeah, I yeah, that, that, yep, yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Even it, I'd go as far as say that it's basically great. <coughs> oh, hi, Foxy. You, you, you all right? Um, Sorry. Was that a cat-related bark? Yeah, it was. Of course, okay. it was. <laughs> yeah, just just checking. So. No, like, I think the movie overall is very, very good. And I think the more I've thought about it since I saw it, I've both liked it more 
for all the things I like it for, but obviously I've mm-hmm. noticed a lot more like holes in the the logic and some of the plot and like there's a couple of things that I noticed when I was watching it, and then there was some things like you know uh, like the the whole motivation for her to want him to go on the mission. That was something I didn't really think about until after, and I started. Th- I was like, yeah, yeah. Why does she even care that he went on that mission? Like, she... yeah. What the yeah, I agree, but I, I mean, I can I can forgive a little bit of plot hole here and there if oh, the sure. movie's good, and I think the movie's really good, and I think it's worth watching and catching in theaters if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what the one real thing it suffers from, uh, you know, that I was saying earlier is that it is kind of an assembly of like greatest hits of other movies in a, in, a, in a way, which is something that I don't mind. I mean, isn't that all of like Quentin Tarantino's work too? <laughs> oh no, it kind of is. It kind of is. The difference is with Tarantino is I've not seen most of the movies he's he's stealing from, so they, they don't stick out to me as much. Um, but like, I I guess what I'm saying is is that there is this feeling recently in the last couple of years where I feel like a lot of movies have felt like they're concoctions based on other movies. And that's always been true to an extent, don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm feeling it a bit more the last couple of years. Like, everything I like seems to be like, yeah, I really like that, but it's not... Yeah, I guess fans are becoming directors. Yeah, yeah, that could be part of the reason. Because, you know, even the, the movies I'm liking recently, in recent years, I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm really liking them, but... Like I compare them to movies from like you know twenty years ago, and I'm like, yeah, they don't hold a candle to like the the spark that was in some of those. Not in every case. Yeah, but... it's hard to beat the Predator. <laughs> like I really, really, really like this movie, right? But yeah, me too. But I like Gravity more. I like Moon more. I like Two Thousand and One more. Like, like you know all the. Most of yeah, the things. Yeah, I felt like, like I watched all three of those films when I was watching this one. <laughs> yeah, but like all most, maybe not all, but most of the movies that I'd compare this to that I think it's taken something from, I like them all more. Like they're all better <laughs> because they all did these things first. Even though this movie, I think, has a great tone and a great atmosphere and aesthetic, and the the character journey is really good. And it's and I'm glad it's about a character like story because you know sometimes if it's missing that it just feels hollow. And I don't think this feels hollow. Yeah. It's about on the nose at no, times. No, no, not at all. But it's not hollow. I, I really enjoyed Brad Pitt in his in this movie, and I liked his character a lot too. Like he's just, uh, I liked the the psych evaluations that he had to give. They were interesting, and uh, seeing his progress after like his, he finds out his dad's alive, and how it just sort of breaks him because he's always been so reserved since he his dad left him. Yeah, and uh, there's even a moment where he's starting to like talk about rage. And he's still been like cleared for psych evaluation, and I kind of thought, I wonder if these psych evaluations are bullshit. Yeah, I was <laughs> getting that, that impression. Well, because the, the whole thing as well is that they're lying to him about what he's what the mission is, and that they're just going to nuke him, and yeah. you know, like they, they they keep a lot you know close to the chest. But yeah, let's uh, let's uh, rate the movie then. Uh, I think we're at that point. Uh, Tara, what are you giving Ad Astra? I really enjoy seeing science fiction in the theaters you know one that's not schlocky like you say or super big budget where it's just a cartoon of a film um i want to support movies like this and i like movies that take chances and give me something that i don't expect and uh this one you know ticked a lot of boxes um you're right and a lot of them were very familiar (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we had seen them before but I still had a really good time. I liked the journey. Um, and yeah, it's not a perfect film, but uh, I'd like to see more movies like this. So I'm going to give it an eight. I think it's an eight movie. That was very well reasoned. 
I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of a similar boat. I, I'm thinking eight out of ten as well. Um, it's sort of thing where like, I wish that extra little spark, that extra little spark that would propel it like further. Mm-hmm. But there's just enough to nitpick at it. There's enough to kind of like take away from it. But it is a really solid, great time that it has a really great like sort of mood and atmosphere where you're in that world. You're kind of engrossed in it. And yeah, so if I think I think it's the sort of thing where I would never show this first to someone if I'm trying to get them into sci-fi because I know I want to show them all the movies that this they stole from <laughs> instead. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but if you're already a sci-fi fan and you want some more of that and you want a pretty solid uh, sort of greatest hits of some of that stuff that's fairly well put together, not without its faults, but um, I think Ad Astra offers that. So I will also give it an eight out of ten, and there we go. That is Ad Astra. Uh, the new film with Brad Pitt, uh, directed by James Gray, who I have never seen any other films by, uh, I don't think. He, This is the first time he's done sci-fi. He did uh, Lost City of Z, The Immigrant, Two Lovers. Oh, I saw that movie. We on Night. That one had a lot of narration also. Interesting. That's his thing, is it? He likes a nice, <laughs> nice uh, dramatic narrator. I actually didn't really care for it oh, all that yeah. much. I thought it was uh, a bit too slow. Okay. And uh, it was it was okay, but it wasn't. Uh, I I definitely thought like I like the look of the film, and I would like to see more by the director. So, but just the the actual like premise of the story, I didn't really care about. <laughs> That's fair. That's but fair. it gets great reviews. It's it's probably something a lot of people, you know, would like to see. Would like it if they saw it. Yeah. Uh, so, no, Ad Astra, um, go, go to your local theatre, should you wish to see it. Uh, I think it opened at number two um, and made like 21 million or something like that at uh, the box office for the what weekend. What else came out? <gasps> Rambo came out, right? Yeah. Tara, brace yourself. The reviews are not being kind. And not I know. All- I saw. Not only that, <laughs> it was um, so disappointing because the last Rambo was so I know, good. And I know someone who's a huge fan of like movies like that and was really looking forward to it. And his his one his tweet when he came back from seeing it was, "Well, I can say this about the new Rambo movie. At least it was short." Aww. And he loves that franchise. So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I love that- the first one and the fourth one, and yeah. two or three are fun, but the first and the fourth are great. Yeah, no, I, I think the first one's like a, a genuinely great film that people mm-hmm. pe- people ignore almost because they just think, oh, it's a Rambo movie. And like, no, no, the first one's like a proper really good movie about PTSD. Seriously. Like, yeah. go go watch yeah. First Blood. And then the fourth one was really good and better than I had a right to be. And then two and three, like you say, are just kind of fun action movies that are not nowhere yeah. near as poignant as the first one, but they're enjoyable. And then five by James is, Cameron too, right? Uh, the second one is, yeah, First Blood uh, Part 2. Yeah, is by James Cameron. Uh, which he t- he took that job at the same time as Aliens because he almost yeah. he almost turned down writing Aliens because oh I've already got uh, this Rambo movie to write and someone told him I I remember this from the extras on Aliens Blu-ray is like no take both jobs are you crazy uh, and obviously he ended up directing Aliens which for the better because it just happens to be my favorite movie of all time so he made the right call <laughs> uh, so you know yeah I didn't Jimbo. see any Aliens in this movie in Ed Astra oh, like no any aliens. influence from the movie Aliens. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, um, unless you count just like searching the the, the derelict ship kind of thing, because Alien mm. did kind of do that. And but it, it makes you think more of maybe other sci-fi properties that have done it in a more similar context to 
to this. Yeah. So <gasps> I froze. You froze. Oh, that's a nice freeze, though. That's a, that's a nice. That could be a photo. That one. That's like the um, yeah, like the the high school or middle school photo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you almost look like you still be there at that age. What? I was saying you look young. I was trying to be nice. Oh. I was doing the opposite of what I normally do. When you, yeah. Whenever you say the words you and age in a sentence, <laughs> it's usually not a compliment. Thank you. I was, I was trying to do the opposite. I was trying look, to be nice. I don't want to be a middle school age. You need the curly, curly Sue look. Makes me look youthful. You need the big thick rim glasses. I actually hate the word youthful. It sounds like I'm trying to say the word useful, but I have a speech impediment. Youthful, useful. Yeah, I can see exactly, it. right? I can see. I also it. don't like the word mouth. Mouth. <laughs> don't like the word mouth. Yeah. Okay. It's like mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning so much. I'm learning so much. Uh, so that has been Ad Astra. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us for the discussion. Uh, you can, of course, let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments below. You can like and you can subscribe. Obviously, if there's other movies, sci-fi movies that you think should be Ace movies, um, I'm not going to promise that we'll do them. You might look at the movie and look at a trailer and say, nah, we can wait for home release. But <laughs> if there's movies that you think we are maybe not paying attention to that you would like to bring to our attention, by all means, uh, you can can say that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, obviously if you want to send us questions and things to answer at some point, you can do that at mftvquestions at gmail.com. You can, of course, rate the podcast on the podcast app. Uh, five stars, you know, Apple Podcasts especially. Uh, it gives us a nice review, helps more people find us. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, Patreon's a big thing. So go and support us over there financially if you want to. And it would mean the world to us. So that is uh, that is uh, us. That has been the, the episode. Um... We have a regular episode coming up on Thursday, which for the public will be the Philadelphia Experiment. And for patrons who get the episodes a week early, you're getting Terminator Salvation. So dun, dun, dun. buckle your seatbelts for that because... Buckle it. Because that was a two-hour episode. Is that epic. another two-hour? Yeah, that was, that, I think that was the longest episode. Nah, maybe Terminator 3 just slightly beat it. But if it did, it was by like a smidge. Just a smidge. <laughs> Will this movie be better than Terminator 3? You'll find out on Thursday if you're a patron. You'll find out next week <laughs> if you're not. Um, and <laughs> will Terminator Genesis be even longer than every other Terminator movie we've done? Probably. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be all... It's like, I mean, normally it's like 80-20 Peter and Tara, but this will be like 95 Tara. <laughs> 95-Peter and Tara. Do, do I need to shut up more? Is that what you're saying? Do I hog the mic too much? No, no, no. You're the pro. No, I'll, no, I need to let you. I'm sp- always. I'm just here trying to distract my cat so that I can I, chime in every now and then. Uh, I will. I will. Uh, for the record, I made uh, Connor and Tim both do the Patreon plugs today, and they were both like a, a deer in the headlights. Uh, you have become so smooth at it, <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh. been making me do this since the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, but that is uh, that is us. That has been the Atomic Sam Experiments. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. The regular episodes do go up a week early on Patreon, but these theatre releases will just go straight up for everyone as extra episodes. So thank you once again uh, for joining us. Uh, keep watching sci-fi movies and computer at Salsa. Yum, yum.